0: Attention, this is not legal advice. If you are experiencing a legal emergency, contact an attorney or your local public defender's office.
1: The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of gin and justice.
0: justice hey i'm justine
1: and i'm amanda welcome to another legal brief with gin and justice this week i have some questions some lawyer questions for you justine shoot it up <laughs> okay so i don't know if you watched the news lately or if our listeners have been watching the national news but the doomsday mom do you remember her was that valo yeah Daybell? her yeah yeah it's Lori Vallow Daybell.
0: Okay, tell me the story. Because she, her children, me. I think she's from Idaho,
1: one of those I states. Um, <laughs> her children went missing—a seventeen-year-old daughter and seven-year-old son—and it was national news. Everybody was looking for them, and she and her new husband, Daybell, had disappeared. Oh, to Hawaii, right? I believe so. Yep. Yeah. Well, eventually they found them, and then they found the bodies of the children on his property. So, they were indicted on that. There's also a slew of other dead people surrounding this case. Like like who? his ex-wife, her ex-husband, the brother, her brother was involved in killing the ex-husband. Yeah, I do recall that. And she was very calm in the body cam videos. Yes, she's a doomsday prepper. And she had some really um, wild thoughts about the end of the world.
0: He had, like, a radio show or something, too, right? Where he was kind of, like, getting a following with his doomsday yes. whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, anyway,
1: this week in the news, she was found incompetent to stand trial. hmm Which led me to have a slew of questions about what it even means and if it's the same thing as an insanity plea. Because I don't know the difference. And right. I'm sure a lot of people like me have no idea.
0: Yeah, so – insanity, incompetency and mental illness are all separate things. So just because you have a mental illness, it does not mean that you're incompetent to stand trial. And it also does not necessarily provide a legal defense. When you have somebody when you have a somebody that's a defendant, and they seem to be off in some sort of way, um, you know, whether they're kind of having some type of delusion, whether there's something odd that you notice when you're talking to them, if they're not Speaking, if they're not able to communicate the facts. The factors that the court takes into consideration when they're evaluating somebody for whether they're incompetent. And what that means is that somebody cannot understand the legal proceedings against them. So if you have schizophrenia, but you're on medication and you understand what's going on, you're not going to be incompetent to proceed, most likely. Um, If you're being treated, you kind of are on a medication regimen. So say I'm schizophrenic and
1: I'm off my meds. Right. Is that is that an insanity
0: defense? No. So insanity looks at the time of the offense. But just to go back to incompetency, what they look at, um, the findings of fact that the judge will make is that defendant has a mental illness. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a mental illness. I've had clients in the past who were found incompetent to proceed because they were going into severe dementia. And so they literally could not remember the facts of the case. They could not help me with their defense. So there can be different reasons for incompetency. It's basically if you're if you're not able to participate in the legal proceedings because you either have an intellectual disability, you have dementia, you have something that's preventing you from being able to understand what's going on against you. So with my defendant with dementia, he just he couldn't remember the facts of the case. Um, and so there's a couple things that happen. But when somebody is found incompetent, usually the judge will find that they have a mental illness. And um, the defendant's mental illness interferes with that person's ability to communicate with their lawyer and participate in their defense. Um, Also interferes with their ability to understand what's going on with them, whether they can act appropriately in court. Um, The judge will often also find that the defendant's mental illness renders him or her incapable of surviving alone and that there's a substantial likelihood that he or she would be a danger to himself or herself without treatment. When the judge makes that specific finding, along with a couple others, what will happen is the defendant will get sent to the state hospital. And what the state hospital does is they attempt to, if it's a mental illness issue, they attempt to get them on medication and get them kind of calmed down and regulated. And then they also do what's called competency training, which is basically like a multiple choice test that they give them often. um, And it asks, you know, what the roles of the judges, the defense attorneys, the state attorneys, you know, what's a felony, what's a misdemeanor. and to make
1: sure they understand how it's going.
0: Correct. Sometimes what'll happen is you'll have somebody who has taken the test so many times that they get the right answer, but they're still off. Mm -hmm. And so the state hospital will send them back to the county jail. The person is still kind of incompetent. Another evaluation will get ordered. They're still found incompetent. They get sent back to the state hospital. So it's kind of This unfortunate circle that people get stuck in. Now, other times, if you're found incompetent and it's something that maybe isn't going to be treatable, um, or and you're not a danger to yourself or society, like the guy with dementia, you can be, you do not have to go to the state hospital. You can be placed on what's called a conditional release plan, and you work with the APD, which is the Association for Persons with Disabilities. You work with them and they make sure that you're getting the services that you need, that you're, you know, whether you need to go to the doctor and take care of your, you know, dementia or some, some, you know, intellectual disability, whatever it is, and you're not getting in trouble and you're in under the care of a family member, essentially. So after five years, and this isn't a felony case, after five years, if somebody is on a conditional release plan, like for instance, somebody with dementia, they're not going to get better. So after five years of him... Following the conditional release plan, you know, not getting into trouble, not violating any of the terms and continuing a treatment, the state can no longer proceed with the charges after five years. So they have to dismiss them due to the defendants income. Now, if somebody's in the state hospital, that's a different story. Yeah, it's basically about whether somebody can be rehabilitated or not. And so it's different than an insanity defense. An insanity defense looks at the time of the offense. You can be somebody who's completely sane, doesn't have a mental illness, But something at the time caused you to um, have a moment of insanity. So not everybody will qualify. And often what kind of sucks about insanity is if you plea not guilty by reason of insanity. If the jury does buy that defense. First of all, you're admitting that you did it. But you're admitting that you did it because you were insane at the time of the offense. And what happens is you get sent to a state hospital for the criminally insane. Which is just like you see in the movies. Like the old movies, um, I'm trying to think of The One floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still like very much like that.
1: So even if you're not insane anymore when you stay on trial, you would still be sentenced to...
0: Yeah, so it's weird because with the state institution, sometimes you can be stuck there longer than you would if you would have gotten a prison sentence. And it's just an ongoing... You're supposed to have status updates, I believe, annually might be a little bit different with once you're convicted or found not guilty by reason of insanity. I don't know that it's yearly, but you do have to have status updates. And if they there's a potential that you can get released from the state hospital, it kind of depends on the crime and it depends on your status. But oftentimes people will kind of be stuck in these hospitals longer than they would have if they would have gotten a prison sentence. So, um so insanity looks at, at the time of the offense, in Florida specifically, um, and actually a lot of states follow this, it's called the McNaughton Rule. So Florida looks at, at the time of the offense, due to some type of defect or disorder of the mind, the defendant either did not know right from wrong, or even if they did know what they were doing, they could not have known that the act was wrong. So, and again, that's one where you're admitting you did the crime, but it was because you were insane at the time. So, um, you know, insanity can be caused by mental illness. It can also be caused by other things. So that's kind of the difference there. But incompetency is different than insanity. And then mental illness is a whole different issue because just because you have mental illness does not mean that you either were insane at the time of the offense and that you qualify for that or that um, you are incompetent to stand trial. So they're all kind of different, they're related, but they're all they all can be completely different. So,
1: so an intellectual disability would be incompetence
0: depending. So, you have somebody evaluated, if they are found to have an intellectual disability, um sometimes that can render them incompetent to understand the legal proceedings against them and that would be a situation where the person would be placed on that conditional release plan where they're under the care of a family member and they have a treatment plan. So, Oftentimes, you'll see that with intellectual disability sometimes, and it depends on the doctor's report. So if the doctor says, yes, they have an intellectual disability, but it does not impact their ability to understand the legal proceedings or the facts of their case, they can help in their defense, they understand the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony, um, then, then a learning disability does not necessarily make you incompetent to proceed. So it really depends on the person and the doctor's report and the judge's findings. And so oftentimes, the way it plays out in court cases is... You get a defendant, you are talking to them, they seem kind of off, and so you make a suggestion of incompetence to the judge, and at that point, the judge will order an evaluation. The defense attorney can order an evaluation, and as well as the state attorney, typically the one evaluation from the judge, um, from the court, is suffice. That doctor will evaluate them. You have a hearing called a competency hearing, and at that competency hearing, the the, uh, defense and the state and the judge all review the report. Sometimes the doctor will testify if necessary. The attorneys can stipulate to the report coming in, and then the judge has to make findings on the record of why they either find them competent or incompetent to proceed. And again, if they do find them incompetent, they then have to order whether they're going to the state hospital to get basically rehabilitated or whether they're going to be placed on a conditional release plan, depending on what the reason is that they are incompetent.
1: So I guess I'm confused about – I know that we talked to the Innocence Project last week – and I was on their website, and I was reading up on the Purvis Payne case. He's on death row. He's been maintained his innocence for thirty years, um, but he has an intellectual disability. Like, how did he end up on death row?
0: Yeah, and a lot of states, not enough, but a lot of states thankfully have made it unconstitutional to execute somebody with an intellectual disability. And I think. If I'm not mistaken, Purvis Payne is in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Governor Lee. Governor Lee up. did just sign that into law. So hopefully that will work retroactively, which we've talked about before means work backwards, mm-hmm. basically. I have faith in, in Lee. Yeah. And so I believe that I'm not super familiar with the Purvis Payne case. I know you a little. You know more than me about it. Do you want to tell our listeners about it? Uh Purvis Payne was
1: <laughs> going to visit his girlfriend, I believe, at the time. And one of the apartments near hers, he noticed something was wrong. He went in, saw this woman and her small child were brutally murdered, tried to help save them, panicked. When the police showed up, he had their blood on him. They assumed it was because he had killed them, which he had no motive for. He's never been in trouble before this. A lot of evidence went missing, like the fingernail clippings of the victim, Um, I know that, uh, the prosecution used a lot of racial bias to convict him.
0: Right. And it was just a a lot about that case. Yes.
1: He's been in prison for 30 years.
0: Ugh. So, um. Hopefully it gets investigated. I'm sure there's a Tennessee Innocence Project. Hopefully they are working on that. That's where I got it. Oh, great. Innocence Project, Good. Okay. And we did talk to the Innocence Project last week. Don't forget, guys, this Thursday, June 10th, the Innocence Project of Florida is virtually hosting an exoneration celebration. Amanda and I have registered. We will be there. It's at 7 p.m. And their keynote speaker is Benjamin Crump, renowned uh, civil rights attorney. And we love him. Right. (laughs) So we definitely want to see you there. Tweet us. Get us on Instagram, Facebook. And if you have not already, guys, please follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Rate, review, give us feedback. And as always, email us with any legal concepts or questions. Justine at Gin and Justice And Amanda at Gin and All right. And we will see you next time on Gin and Justice. Bye. All editing for Gin and Justice done by Gin and Justice Podcast. Artwork by Justin Cardone.
1: Photography by Kimber Schwaeke.
0: We'll see you next time on Gin and Justice.